Hello and welcome to Foundation Stones from Refuge City Church. Having a solid foundation for our walk with Jesus Christ is vital for every Christian, especially in the times we live in. Through God's word, candid conversations, and everyday application, the aim is to help you build your foundation so you can stand strong for God every day. Buckle in and prepare your heart. Pray this, God, ready my heart for your truth that I might be more like you. We hope today's episode empowers you to grow in your walk with Jesus. Let's dive in. Hey friends, this is Jim Weaver. I'm the worship and the administrative pastor for Refuge City Church in Klamath Falls, Oregon, and I am your host for Foundation Stones. Welcome back to a continuation of our study on supplementing our faith. And today is actually going to be considered part three. Last week, we had a replay of a previous episode talking about sanctification. I felt like it was super important for us to get the understanding of what sanctification is, maybe for the first time for some of you, maybe as a review for others. But I felt that sanctification was an important part of the process for us understanding why we add things to our faith in the first place. So today we're going to talk about supplementing our faith with virtue. You know, when we got saved, we were truly rescued from Satan and the darkness of the world and restored to our full value in the sight of God. We're eternally sealed through the Holy Spirit, according to the book of Ephesians. But you know, often Christians simply stay there. We've said a prayer, we've gotten saved, and then we go on with our lives, business as usual. And somehow we can bite into the lie that we're done, we've arrived. We've been saved and now we're golden. But according to scripture, our initial salvation is just the beginning of our journey. In fact, we now have the choice to go one of two directions. We either progress in victory, growing in maturity and relationship with Jesus every day, or we digress, losing traction and experiencing defeat even though we've said a prayer of salvation and repentance at one time in our life. Very rarely do we stay stationary in one place. That's very unusual. We'll either progress or we'll digress. And this is largely up to us. We must choose whether we are a son or a daughter who grows and strengthens in our faith or one who wanders aimlessly with no power and producing no fruit and sometimes finally ending up in the desert of despair, distant from God, maybe not even saved at all. We've started a study on the first chapter of the book of Second Peter, and in this chapter, Peter gives us very clear instruction. In our process of growth, our sanctification, what must we do? So let's take a look at that text today. We're going to review this again, get ourselves an understanding of where the Apostle Peter is taking us, and then dive into that first supplement that we are to add to our faith, the supplement of virtue. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 2, it says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now, I know verse 5 continues on, but that's where we'll stop for today because virtue is what we're going to highlight. But before we do that, let's do a little review from episode number one in this series talking about 2 Peter chapter 1. The first thing that we see in the scripture is that grace and peace 
are multiplied in our knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let me ask you this. Is it not amazing that we can actually experience grace and peace? And is this something that you want in your life? I know it is for me. I want grace and peace in my life. And this means that the more knowledge that we have of our Lord Jesus, the more that his grace and his peace are multiplied to me. So often we tolerate bondage and chaos when we don't have to. You see, if we want more grace and peace, we've got to get to know Jesus more. And that's entirely up to us. We have exactly as much of God as we truly want. If we want more of him, we'll get more of him. If we really don't pursue him, then we won't have very much of him in our life. That's how it works. If we want grace and peace to multiply into our life, we have to increase in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. It's in how we seek him every day for ourselves. And this isn't the amount of times we go to church. But this is how much we pursue God in relationship from our own hearts. When we know him, grace and peace are multiplied into our lives. So that's where we start. You want grace and peace to be multiplied in your life? Then you've got to increase in your knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. You've got to know God more. That should go without saying, but how often do we struggle with grace and peace being manifest in our lives, but we really don't pursue God for any more than what we got at our initial salvation? It continues by saying that God's divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness when we get that knowledge. Now, let me reemphasize this for us. It says God's divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That means that we have everything that we need to experience his divine power, his victory, his grace and peace multiplied in our life. He's given us everything that we need that pertain to these things. And it's when we get to know him more. It's in our knowledge of him. When we get to know God, we begin to understand that everything we need to live and to experience godliness is already available to us. We're not looking through the glass into a world we have no access to. You see, God wants us to have the tools that we need to have abundant life and to experience his godliness in our everyday lives. According to John 10.10, Jesus came to give us life abundant. So again, grace and peace are multiplied in our knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and God, the Father, and also his divine power has given to us everything we need for life and godliness. So that means we have no excuse for not being victorious. We've already been given everything we need. It's a matter of, have those things been added to our faith through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord? So it says also that we have promises of being partakers of the divine nature. That means that I get to have a part. I get to take part in God's divine nature. When we have the knowledge of God, we now receive his promises that then allow us to partake of the divine nature of God. This means that what we need to have, the nature of God, has already been provided for us. The only hindrance is our understanding of it, which means that we've got to do something to partake in this divine nature. It's something that must grow in our lives, just like we tend a garden and expect a harvest. And many times we don't tend our faith, and then we wonder why we're not reaping a harvest of abundant spiritual life in Christ. It continues by saying that we've been set free from the corruption that's in the world through lust. And this is a big one. Jesus has set us free from the sin nature and from our flesh that is manipulated by Satan. We've been set free. We don't have to be bound to the darkness of the world. We've been delivered. However, 
we still have a free will. So somehow we've got to overcome our propensity to sin because our flesh still wants to do it. And this is exactly why we tend to not hover in one place in our walk with God. We're either moving forward or we're moving backward. Are you progressing in his godliness or are you digressing in the lust of the flesh? We either progress or we digress. And it's because of the corruption around us that wants to tarnish us and isn't content to let us stay saved. The devil is looking for a way to devour us, according to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. So friend, we've been given grace. We've been given peace. We've been given God's divine power. And we've been given promises to partake in God's nature. And we've been set free from the lusts of sin. Because of this, we should be very diligent to add godly things to our faith. We can't assume that just because we're followers of Christ, that the things of God just automatically grow into our life. You know, I know it sounds strange to say this, but I'm constantly amazed at our human nature to think that now we're saved, it's all up to God, and we can just put our faith on cruise control. In my estimation, in my experience, if that were true, that would be a very distant and cold way for God to be our Father. What good father among us doesn't expect the growth of his children? So, I have teenagers, and believe me, I have expectations to them contributing to the family. Imagine if my wife and I made the dinner, did the laundry, took care of the pets, vacuumed the floor, and did the dishes, and never expected our kids to do anything. (laughs) Yeah, while my kids would probably love this setup, there's a part of their development and growth that would be stunted. The expectation of them growing in responsibility, having consequences for their lack of action, And then, of course, the skills they acquire while being called to maturity causes them to grow into effective and well-rounded adults themselves. You see, someday, they're going to be the adult in a household, and they're going to have teenagers of their own. My call as a parent is not to raise great kids, it's to raise great adults, which means that I expect them to mature. And in the same way, we can't expect that God would be okay with us simply lying around on the couch of life while he provides everything we need and we just take it all in. God has a part for us to play. And God has things he wants us to add to our faith so that we can grow, we can mature, and we can be who he's created us to be. In fact, if we don't do our part to add to our faith, we will find ourselves anemic in our walk with Jesus. And that's not God's fault. There's a resilience and a growth that comes with taking responsibility to mature in Christ. It's no different than the resilience and growth that happens in our teenagers when they're called to a higher level of maturity. And truthfully, friend, this is why we do foundation stones to begin with, not just to add more information to our brain, but to actually grow and mature in our faith so that we become more and more like Jesus. And so I want to encourage you through this scripture out of 2 Peter chapter 1, You and I, hear me, we can't get entitled. Don't get entitled. One of the greatest detriments to our faith is a sense of entitlement to what we've been given. Consider what Peter just told us that we had. He said we have multiplied grace and peace. He said God's divine power for life and godliness has been given to us through knowledge of him. He says that we have access to partake in his divine nature. And he says that we've been set free from the lust of the world. That's an incredible list of benefits that God has given us. But after Peter tells us of this great inheritance, notice what he says the very next thing. 2 Peter chapter 1, the first phrase of verse 5 says, For this very reason. For what reason? For the fact that you've got all of these things. He says, for this very reason. Or maybe it could be better said, because of this. 
You haven't earned these things. They've been given to those who have faith by God's design. And so Peter's telling us that just because God has provided all of these things for us doesn't mean that we can just lay around basking in our good fortune from God. He says, for this very reason, do this. What Peter tells us to do next is the subject of our series. And in just a moment, we're going to explore the first thing that Peter tells us to do. But we have to realize that the instruction Peter gives us is for our own benefit. When we grow in Christ by intentionally doing what God says to do and intentionally adding to our faith the things that we need to grow in, we grow beyond the elementary things of faith and we start seeing victory and breakthrough and maturity like we have never seen before. I can remember the leap in responsibility my kids took when I handed them the keys to the car for the first time. Even with me in the passenger seat as their instructor, I noticed that they paid attention to things they'd never paid attention to before. They paid attention to the road signs for the first time. They noticed stoplights that, for years, they had just gone through taking advantage of the maturity of my driving skills. They were aware of other drivers for the first time, whether good or bad. They gripped the wheel tightly and they sweat just a little bit because now they couldn't just slump in the back seat waiting to arrive at their destination. Now they were called up to drive. Now they were responsible for a successful and safe journey. So now two out of the three of my kids have their license, and I can also remember the excitement, but also the trepidation on their face the first time they pulled out of the driveway all by themselves. So of course, we're never independent of God. However, we are called by God to grow in our faith. He doesn't want us to slump in the backseat of the car of life without participating in the journey he has set before us. He's called us to mature, and he will allow us to go through situations where we might grip the wheel tight in the fear of the unknown. He calls us to add things to our faith so we can grow in maturity. And for us to expect anything less is for us to misunderstand the heart of a loving father. You see, we have a responsibility since God has given us amazing things. He's given us a Corvette to drive and it's polished and it's in the driveway ready to go. But we've got to learn how to drive it. Because driving a Corvette without adding some experience behind the wheel is a recipe for disaster. And so we've got to understand while we can't be entitled, we also can't be complacent. We can't be complacent. So Peter says this in the very next phrase. He says, for this very reason, do this, giving all diligence, giving all diligence. You see, it wasn't enough to say, just do something. If you're like me, you might try to find the easiest, simplest way through a responsibility, especially something that forces me to grow, something that's hard, something that's a challenge. Often things that are good for me take more effort than I'd like to put forth. You know, it's good that I take a jog or that I go to the gym, but unless I up my intensity level, I won't grow. I won't progress. I'll just maintain. And Peter says that we need to give all diligence. What does that mean, to give all diligence? Well, diligence in this verse is the Greek word spude, and it means to interest oneself most earnestly. That's a great definition. We're to interest oneself most earnestly. How often do things interest us that really aren't a big deal, but the things that are the most important don't keep our interest. But we should interest ourselves most earnestly in growing in our faith with Jesus because it is the most important thing that we will ever do in our life. 
I've got to interest myself most earnestly. I've got to put in more than just half-hearted effort. If I want to grow, if I want to get better, if I want to take a hold of what Jesus has made available to me, I've got to give all diligence, which means I've got to focus. I've got to be intentional. I need to want to grow more than I want to stay sedentary where I've always been. You see, Peter admonishes us to advance, not in order to earn these blessings, not in order to wear a badge to impress other believers, but in order to handle the things that God has given me responsibility for. Another example, my family and I, we love to hunt. And when I've taken my kids hunting, that firearm that they're using is something that they have complete access to because they have access to what is mine. However, They are required by me to learn how to use that firearm before they're given the freedom to use it on their own. And in the same way, Peter is telling us that our faith needs to be added to. It needs to be grown into. We need to be trained in it. We can't just lay around and expect to have mature faith and expect to walk in the benefits that God has given us. We may have them, but we won't know how to use them. They won't be worked into our character. So friend, please don't hear me wrong. I'm not advocating for a faith system that says we earn our salvation. Actually, it's quite the opposite. Salvation is provided for us the minute we believe in Jesus by faith. Jesus did the work. The work we do is to believe him. You see, again, my kids have access to my hunting weapons because they're a part of my family, but they need to learn how to use them. So we, we believe by faith, but we don't stop there. So listen to me, we don't work for salvation. Let me say it again, we don't work for salvation. We can't earn it. We can't do enough good things to be good enough for God to save us. We receive him by faith. But listen, once you receive him, once you have faith in him, now we work from salvation. So let me say it again, we don't work for salvation, but we do work from salvation. Your salvation should work itself through you and out of you into a world in need. Your faith should grow now that you have it. Now that you are saved, now you start learning how to build up your faith. And this is the whole idea of what Peter is telling us in 2 Peter chapter 1. Over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to look at the things that Peter is telling us that we're to add to our faith. These are the things that we're to supplement our faith with. It's like a vitamin. We're supposed to add something to our faith so it grows and expands. We need nutrients in our faith so that it gets more robust, so that it can handle what God is calling us to. And the first thing Peter tells us to add to our faith is the point of today's podcast. Peter tells us to add to our faith virtue. You've got to add virtue to your faith. So, an obvious question, especially if you don't use the word virtue often in your vocabulary, what in the world is virtue? What is virtue? Virtue is the Greek word arete, and it means moral goodness, course of thought, feeling, or action. It's a moral vigor. I looked up the word vigor out of the Oxford Dictionary, and it means physical strength and good health. You're vigorous. And so in this case, since it's talking about a spiritual or a moral vigor, it means a moral strength and a moral health. And so it's important for us to recognize as Christians, as Christ followers, as sons and daughters of God, we are to ensure that our morals are strong. Our morals could be defined as our convictions. We've got to add to our faith the understanding that God has a standard, that God expects us to live by his standard, 
and we don't get to make up stuff as we go. There is no such thing as my truth and your truth. There is only the truth, God's truth. We don't get to decide in the moment what's right or what's wrong. God has already decided. He has already clearly made us aware of what sin is and what righteousness is. And the first thing we need to add to our faith is the conviction that God's way is right and we are going to do our best to abide by his way. We're not going to make it up for ourselves because that in and of itself is the most arrogant and prideful and truthfully foolish way that we could live. And so we've got to ensure that our morals are strong and we've got to ensure that our morals are healthy. You see, sometimes our morals are more based on how we were raised than how God spells them out in the Bible. We've got to have a biblical view of God's morality. So how do we add virtue to our faith? How do we add moral strength to our faith? How do we ensure that our morals are healthy? First things first, we've got to be in the word of God. Our morals, our virtue should be based on the Bible. In fact, in episode 139 of Foundation Stones, we explored the need to have a biblical worldview. In fact, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode after you listen to this one, because we established the fact that when we live a biblical worldview, many things are already decided for us because we're living according to God's standard, God's word, and not our own. We've admitted that we don't get to decide what is right and wrong for ourselves. God has already done that for us, and we are to align with him. God is God, and God is right. (laughs) So Peter is telling us right here, the first thing we need to add to our faith, the first thing we need to supplement our faith with is virtue, moral upstanding, moral excellence. It's the standard of God's moral conviction in our life. Because truly, anything else built as a foundation for our faith will crumble. Our moral excellence, based on the truth of God's word, the Bible, will establish a solidity, a strength, and a victory in our faith that is second to none. You see, when we have virtue, our moral excellence, according to God's word, it comes out in consistent living based on God's principles. We always tell the truth. We always turn our eyes away from lust. We always treat people with the love of God. You can see that when this building block is added to our faith, it keeps us from simply being another religious voice in a confused world, and it backs up our faith with a Christ-like life. Virtue, our moral goodness, is the fruit that tastes good to the world who don't yet know Jesus. It's our consistent Christian lifestyle that displays that our faith is more than religion. It's deep-seated, authentic character that points to the reality of God. In Scripture, many times virtue is translated with the word goodness. One place you can find another use of the word goodness in the Bible is in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23, it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So goodness, moral character, is a fruit of us permitting the Holy Spirit to live and dwell on the inside of us. Our life begins to back up our faith. 
The definition of goodness from the fruit of the Spirit is very similar to the definition of virtue in 2 Peter 1. In Galatians 5.22 and 23, that word goodness is the Greek word agathousune, and it means uprightness of heart and life, goodness or kindness. It's that uprightness of heart. It's that moral excellence. We see that again. And so as we're in relationship with God, we should allow the Holy Spirit to produce fruit through our lives. This fruit of goodness, of virtue, should be added to our faith. Faith without virtue or moral excellence is immature. Faith should work in us to produce virtue or goodness. We've all known someone who claims faith but has no moral excellence, no virtue. I think we can all agree that this type of faith is stunted. There's no substance to back up the faith. Let that not be the case in your life. So here's a challenging question for you to consider today. Do you have virtue? Do you have moral excellence in your life? If you never said a word, could people tell you had a deep-seated faith in God by the moral fruit that comes from your life? And if not, your faith needs a supplement. (laughs) Your faith needs some vitamins. You need to add virtue to your faith. You need to add moral upstanding. You need to add godly character to your faith. Otherwise, you resemble that teenager that hasn't ever driven a car, slumped in the backseat with no care for direction or responsibility. The only thing they care about is getting where they're going. And I would declare to you, it's time to allow God to teach you how to drive, not just sit in the backseat of our faith, just hoping to make heaven someday, but actually doing something in this world with the conviction of God's word so that we are actually backing up the faith we say we have. Add some moral conviction to your life. Take responsibility responsibility for how your faith manifests in the world and grow to greater maturity. Our maturity is expected, but God instructs us in 2 Peter 1 to take the initiative, to give all diligence, to add to your faith. And in this case, he wants you to add virtue, moral excellence, a life that backs up what you say your faith is. And so today, Ask yourself, does my faith cause my life to powerfully produce moral uprightness or does it only create self-serving piety? Let's not allow our faith to only be a religious expression without daily conviction. We need to live for Jesus just as reverently on Monday as we do on Sunday. And this is when we know that the supplement, the vitamin of virtue, (laughs) is working into your faith. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join us next time for another deep dive into the foundation stones of our faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about Refuge City Church or to join our giving team to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ moving forward and making resources like this podcast available into the future, visit refugecity.church.